You're listening to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 52. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and today I am talking about the one ingredient that I eliminated and changed my life. So if you'd like to know more, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I am taking you back today in this episode where I'm going to be talking about the one ingredient I eliminated and which changed my life as a result of doing so. So before I get into it, I just want to give you a quick background of where I'm at and what's happening. I'm really excited to be recording on an entirely new platform right now. It's called Riverside. I came across this actually from a guest on the show, Isabel Cornish, who when I recorded as a guest on her podcast, she was recording on Riverside. And now I've heard of Riverside, I've seen the ads for it and I thought it looked pretty cool and it sort of compares itself to Zoom and I thought, yeah, that's cool. But what it can do for podcasting is actually really, really cool. So I've played around with it a little bit and I'm going to check it out and try it for the first time today. The other thing is that I'm back podcasting. I really, really want to get into podcasting weekly. Now, one of the things that I've got from feedback from you guys, the audience, the listeners, is that you wanted more solo episodes where it's just me talking about different topics. Now, I know I can talk a lot. I do love to talk, but there's only so much that I can come up with ideas on what to talk about. So I'm looking for your guidance on this. What do you want to hear more about? Can you please Send me an email, info at jacobandre.com. Info at jacobandre.com is the email. Or you can look me up on Instagram or Facebook. Instagram, it's jacob underscore andre. And send me a message or an email and let me know what you want to hear about. So today's one, I want to go right back to the beginning and talk about, well, not right back, but to the beginning of this journey and talk a lot more about the background, where this all started. It just seemed to be a really simple intelligent place to start and it all goes back for me this online journey to around 2014. I resigned from teaching so I'd gone and done very very quick backstory before that I had completed a double degree in sports science and teaching from Charles Down University in 2006. I got a job teaching uh, middle school PE in 2007. I worked from 2007 to 2013 um, as a middle school PE teacher. In that time, I went back and did a certificate three in fitness and then a certificate four in fitness to become a qualified personal trainer. And then from there, I was always really interested in psychology, the mind and the brain. And so from 2010 to 2013, I studied a graduate diploma of psychology through Edith Cowan University in Perth. And I did that online while I continued to teach. So I studied part-time. It was three years part-time, the equivalent of one and a half years full-time. And I continued to teach part-time. And in that time, my ex and I, Holly, who was my fiancé at the time and later became my wife, she, uh, we were having our kids and we had 
four kids in five years. It was a very, very busy time, um, but we always wanted to have a big family. And so the first one, Java, was born in 2010. Jax came along then in 2011, Jeremy in 2013, and then later Jakira in 2015. And so from 2010 to 2013, it was a very, very busy time between having kids. And Holly had already had a son when I met her. He was five. And so he was at this point in time around 2014 that I'm going to go to. He was about 12 years old. And, but in that time, from 2010 to 2013, we were having kids. I was working part-time. I was studying part-time. Holly was also um, a Tupperware manager. So she was working part-time and was able to be flexible with her schedule. So it all kind of worked well. However, it was very busy. In 2000, at the end of 2013, when I graduated, from the psychology graduate diploma, I, the, the, the government changed and we went from a Labor government to a CLP government and the CLP government wanted to save money. And so one of the things they did in the education department was they cut positions. And so our school, the school that I was at, needed to lose three teachers, a senior teacher and an assistant principal. I looked around, it was the high school, one of the high schools that I went to, and I looked around and there was a whole bunch of teachers who had taught me and they'd been there for 20 to 30 years and I thought if I don't get out now, it's been about seven years or so since I'd been there, I'm probably not going to get out and this is going to be my life forever and I thought, oh geez, that looks daunting. As, as awesome as their lives were and as amazing as those people were, those teachers, that's not what I wanted for myself. And so I decided I'd put my hand up for displacement. So the three teachers that were... that. Um, that lost their positions, there was two of us that applied for displacement, and so we were prioritised for finding another job, and there was another guy who retired. So I put my hand up, and they said, here's your list of teaching jobs that you can go for, and you're going to be prioritised for any of these jobs. Third on the list was a psychology and child studies teacher at a high school, and so the NT had, at the time, middle school, and still does, grade 7, 8, and 9, and then high school being grade 10, 11, and 12. And I always much preferred the idea of high school over middle school. And um, in actual fact, the first year that I started at this middle school, it was actually still a high school. Um, however, I only taught grade 8 and 9 at that time, and then the following year it transitioned into a middle school. But anyway, so there was this new job, and I thought, this is perfect. This is my perfect ideal job, child studies and psychology teacher. I've just finished teaching. Uh, I'm looking for a high school position. I'm teaching grade 11, 10, 11, 12. I'm looking for a psychology teaching job and I'm about to have um, our third child together, Holly and I, and we have an older one. So we've got four kids between us at this point in time. And uh, I thought, yeah, I can teach child studies. You know, it's essentially, it's a little bit sort of like child psychology mixed in with a bit of social psychology and child work kind of thing. So that's that's kind of what child studies is. And I thought, yeah, right up my alley with, with the kids. So I started teaching this. The other thing was that the, because of the drop in teacher numbers, it meant that the teachers in that year, that following year in 2014, were then going to have to teach five classes as opposed to four. So I went in and I started teaching at this high school and uh, thought it was my dream job. And, and I really liked teaching there. It was my old high school when I said I was one of the high schools I went to. I went to, um, I did great. 8, 9, 10 and 11 at the initial one which became a middle school and then I did grade 12 at this school that I then moved to which was the, the grade 10, 11, 12 school and so 
it was between the two were the two high schools that I went to as a student. And so I moved across to this high school teaching psychology. And the other guy who taught psychology had had enough. I was the fifth psychology teacher in five years. And he was not a qualified psychology teacher. He was actually an IT teacher who had an interest in psychology and had asked to teach psychology and so sort of fell into it and was teaching psychology. But because he was the kind of like long-standing psychology teacher, he took on the informal role without any extra pay of mentoring the psychology teachers that would come in. And so me being the fifth one in five years, it was almost like he threw his hands in the air and went, stuff this, I'm not doing this again. He was also very heavily into the union, so he was very strong on you know what he was paid to do and only doing that. I mixed in with that, it was a bit of a melting pot, was that as I said, the school was then, you know, we were teachers who had to teach five lines instead of four and the, the workload went through the roof and teacher morale or staff morale dropped to an all-time low. I remember being in staff meetings that I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but they were crazy. I've never seen anything like those staff meetings. Um, and let's just say that their um, staff morale was not... Um, very high at that school at that point in time and so I stepped into this going what the hell have I got myself into and uh, in addition to all of that that guy who was the the long-standing psychology teacher as I said throwing his hands up in the air and going I'm not going to um, to mentor informally mentor anyone else being the fifth in five years so he removed every bit of resource off the off the server and so I was completely starting from scratch. I was going into a new grade level that I was teaching, being grade 10, 11, 12. I was going up to teach an extra line, so teaching five lines as opposed to four. I was teaching a whole new subject area, which I'd never taught before and which I'd only just become qualified in the year before. And um, and it was just a completely new experience. And so I was creating stuff as I was going Needless to say, it was a very, very stressful and busy time. And um, so I, I honestly, when I reflect on it, I think I really felt like I was just slowly sinking. And with each passing week and day, it was just a matter of trying to hold on to anything that could allow me to float. And as hard as I tried, the more I just sort of sank. And there was just no, there was no coming back. There was no like even floating. It was just simply like... It was just going down and just trying to minimise how quickly you were going under. under. And so around... Uh, so in addition to this, I had started... To, I was already doing some extra stuff outside of school. I was already doing my fitness business, which I absolutely loved. So I was running a boot camp and I had classes in the morning and in the afternoon. No, I didn't have in the afternoon at the time. I had morning boot camps and I was running two classes in the morning Two days a week, I actually even had a personal training session at someone's house before that. So I was being get, getting to this person's house at 4.45 for a PT session. Thankfully, it was only just around the corner. And then getting to the boot camp, which was also around the corner, to run two boot camp sessions, which they must have started at around 5.30, I reckon, to 6.15, and then 6.15 to 7. And so then I was then, after this PT session... The boot camp session, I must, that must have been three days a week, I reckon. And then 
I was then going, if it wasn't five days, it could have even been five days, I can't remember now. But then I was then from seven o'clock to eight o'clock going home, having breakfast, getting having a shower, getting ready to then go to school and then be there before eight o'clock, ideally by quarter to eight, teaching five lines of psychology and child studies, as I said, that I'd never taught before and was trying not to sink, trying to come up with all of my resources and stuff from scratch and and figuring out what I was going to teach day to day. In addition to that, at that point in time, and geez, I wish someone right at this point in time had said to me, Jacob, you can't be doing all this stuff outside of school. Um, And so in addition to that, I was asked if I would do some casual strength and conditioning work at the Institute of Sport, the state level Institute of Sport. So I was doing that a couple of nights, a couple of afternoons a week, and that would start, ideally that was from 3 until 5.30, but I finished school at 3. So school went from 8 till 3. One or two afternoons a week we had staff meetings, and then, so I said to them, look, I can't get there by 3, but I can be there by 3.30. And they said, yep, no worries, cool. So the guy who I'd replaced was actually on two months of paternity leave. And so I was going in a couple of days a week for these for the strength and conditioning, working with a couple of different squads. Uh, I think there was there was definitely football, and I think the other one was hockey, and the other one might have been I can't remember the other sport off the top of my head, netball possibly. Um, and so I was working with these squads from three thirty to five thirty, and then two nights a week I was working with a local football club as their strength and conditioning coach, and two nights a week with the Aussie Rules umpires. And so both of them would start at 5.45. Luckily, they were also just around the corner, so I could get there within that 15 minutes. Typically, I was getting... So as I said, I was starting at 4.45, so I was out of the house by 4.30, and I was getting home at probably about 7.30-ish. So you can imagine I probably wasn't the most popular person coming back home to a fiancé who had four kids at home, three kids who were three and under, and was flat out exhausted myself at that point in time but then had to be thrust into trying to be somewhat of a father so it was a very very busy time it was just stupid in fact in hindsight Uh, actually not even in hindsight even at the time I knew I was doing too much but I continued to do it I remember actually a moment where I was in the bathroom getting changed after school between that 3 and 3.30 from into in my you know I like to wear nice clothes to teach psychology um, in especially uh, as a professional kind of teacher and then uh, move, and then changing into this institute of sport gear the sports gear and I'm uh, just feeling like Superman kind of thing you know changing from one uniform into the next essentially and just almost like different personas going from one personality into the next and I think you know I probably had about four or five different personalities at that point in time so this lasted a few months and with one of the Aussie Rules umpires training sessions, we were at a, another local high school hill, which was a, it's a very famous um, hill for hill running, um, for hill training in Darwin, where I live. And we were doing this hill session, and I was the strength and conditioning coach, and sometimes on the sessions I joined in if, it, if the session allowed it. And this hill session was the sort of thing where they had five hills to do. They jogged this big loop and then they'd come back around. So the whole loop was this um, sort of circle, this big circle. And uh, all up, it was probably about a kilometre long. And then there was this big hill as part of it. I remember on the third time up this hill, I was absolutely exhausted. And I'm not just saying like I'd had a bad night, a bad sleep the night before or I had a big weekend. Like 
This was next level tired like I have never experienced. It was like, yeah, physical, but it was also mental, emotional, spiritual, like everything. I squatted down onto my haunches and I just physically could not get back up. I was so tired. And I didn't end up doing any more runs because I just physically couldn't. And I remember kind of walking over from the hill to over to where all the cars were parked um, after a short while of time. And everyone kind of finished up and they all came over and we were all sort of chatting after the session had finished and the people started to head off. And because I was one of the last people sort of said, are you all right? You're, you know, you're okay. I was looking pretty tired. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I wasn't fine. I knew I wasn't fine. Um, but I was trying to make out like I was fine. I was the coach. I had to be fine. And or, like, so I thought anyway in my own head. And so I was the last one to leave. And I kind of wish that I wasn't now. I wish I had have waited or told someone the truth about what was really going on and just how tired I was because it probably wasn't safe for me to drive home that evening. But I did. I drove home. I got home. I was fully aware of my mental faculties. I, I knew what was going on. I was just really, really tired. And when I got home, I remember laying down on the lounge room floor on the rug and just being exhausted. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up to have a shower. I couldn't get up to go and get food. I didn't want to eat. I had no appetite. Eventually, after, and I told Holly um, that, you know, how I was feeling and she sort of was, um, she was very supportive and asked if I needed anything and she just got, got me some water. I just said I just needed water and she gave me some water and continued to sip water for the next probably two hours I think I laid there for. Eventually I got the energy up to go and have a shower and I remember just not even having the energy to stand in the shower. And so I sat down, I let the water flow over me and I was in the shower for probably about half an hour just sitting there, letting the water flow over me until I could get the energy to stand up and wash myself. And once I did, I then went to bed and I fell asleep and I was out like a light and I slept like a log that night. I woke up the next morning and I remember that it was that was a Wednesday afternoon and the next day was a Thursday and I knew that I could not get out of bed the next day. I knew I was not going to school. I was in there was no way I could physically go to school. And I, I even feel silly right now saying this because you know you hear of celebrities who get hospitalized with stress. You know or not just celebrities but you hear about them because they ask you typically hear about celebrities because they're celebrities. But there's plenty of people that do get hospitalized with, diff- with stress. And, you know, I'm certainly one that would be, uh, you know, that would have said in the past, like, how stupid, like, you, you can't be that tired that you need to be hospitalized for stress. But when you are at your limit physically, mentally, particularly mentally, just with just doing so much physical stuff, and then all of the thinking and the the just the emotional toll of everything. It, it's I can see how it's possible. I lived it, and so that morning, that Thursday morning, I rolled over, grabbed my phone, and I sent an email saying, or made a call. I can't remember um, to say that I wouldn't be in that day. And I thought I just needed a day off. I just needed a day rest. And so that day, I remember at some point coming out to the lounge room and laying down on the lounge room floor and that was it I didn't move I didn't move for the rest of the day I was exhausted and uh, Holly thank goodness brought me food and water and um, I, I made it through that I made it through that day just laying down and then the next day I thought yeah I'll be right to go to school tomorrow and so then the next morning on the Friday I woke up 
and I was even worse. Uh, and I, I can't ex- describe it, but I was even more physically tired. It was just such an effort to lift my arms up, let alone lift my whole body up out of bed. It was such an effort to think. And even my, it was like I wasn't in my own head. My own, my thinking was as if I was outside. And I remember, I still remember this so vividly, seeing myself from above. Like it was like my consciousness had left my body and was sitting above my body over the bed looking down at myself. And I remember being able to see myself from above like I was having this out-of-body experience. It was so weird. But it, I just was so physically and mentally tired. So I thought, okay, well, because the rules were if you, you know, if you take more than a day off, you need to get a doctor's certificate or you don't get paid. So I knew I needed to go to the doctor just to get a certificate. So I made an appointment to go to the doctor, which I think was for um, over the weekend or maybe it was that afternoon, but it was before school went back. And I went to this doctor and the initial um, doctor had said to me that when I explained everything that was going on, they said, you are just exhausted. Your adrenal glands are burnt out and fried were, were the doctor's words. Uh, and you just need to take a rest. And there was four weeks left in term two to get us through to the mid-year school holidays. And the doctor said, I'm going to give you the entire four weeks off. And I thought, geez, I'd never taken more than a couple of days off in any one time. I'd always been pretty healthy and I'd never needed to take a lot of time off for being sick. I rarely got sick. When I did get sick, it was usually from doing too much. But to take four weeks off and to finish off the term, like what would happen with my year 11 classes that would be finishing up? What about my year 12s who would be, you know, in smack bang in the middle of year 12? And, um, you know, you have all these thoughts about everyone else and, you know, like Holly and supporting the kids and all all this all these thoughts. And um, I thought, geez, four weeks, what's wrong with me? Far out, the doctor must think there's something pretty bad. And she said, I can't give you all four weeks in one go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 10 weeks and I want you to come back and see me before, sorry, not 10 weeks, I'm going to give you 10 days and I want you to come back and see me before the 10 days is up each time, which meant two more visits in that four weeks. And so she gave me the 10 days and I went back somewhere between day seven and 10, which was the plan. And um, she checked in with me. She wanted to know how I was going, if I was feeling better, you know, what I would, what I had been doing, if I'd been doing what she'd suggested and what she had suggested was to make counselling appointments, you know, to make an appointment with a counsellor or a psychologist, um, to start doing some meditations, to make sure I was eating healthy and just simply resting. And, uh, and then she would then give me another 10 days off. And so I'm sure this had a real massive flow-on effect to my poor colleagues who then had to pick up even more slack. And I still, to this day, feel extremely guilty for this um, and wish that it didn't happen. But at the end of that four weeks, I got to the school holidays and I remember being in the school holidays and thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Do I actually even really want to continue teaching? Is this, is this my path? Is this what I want to do? I really love the fitness stuff. I love training people and coaching people. You know, the teaching stuff is also extremely rewarding. I love working with students and seeing growth and seeing them, you know, um, develop. And it also is pretty well paid and it pays the bills and I get the school holidays, which is great. So, you know, what do I want to do? And I remember thinking, I really want to do my fitness stuff. And this teaching thing, while it's good, 
uh, is not really the path that I want to be on. So I'm going to resign. And so I decided to resign. This was another bit of a silly idea. It was not, not a silly idea, but it was way too early. I'd done So now I had just resigned with a new mortgage and a new car because we needed to buy a new car to have extra seats to fit our growing family with, with our latest addition in 2013. And so we had this brand new mortgage, this brand new car, and then I was then, I was making major part of our income, and I was then getting rid of that to go and start a business. What a silly idea, because all I was doing was replacing one stress with another. However, in that time, in that school holidays, I, and the school said to me, what about if we get you back onto PE, we move you away, you know, you're familiar with PE, we move you away from the psychology where you're trying to like learn everything as you're going and we put you onto PE. And I said, no, I just need to get out. And it ended up becoming, I'm glad that I did do that because it took me realistically about 18 months to really recover and from, from that experience. That was like, I was really, really burnt out. And um, so... I went to my childhood doctor who I had um, always seen all, all my life and who my mum had seen and who my grandmother before my, before my mother had seen. So my, our family had been seeing this doctor for a very long time. And I said, look, there's just food is, there's something with food. Uh, I'm not able to tolerate stuff. I'm getting this pressure in my gut. I don't know what it is. Um, and he said, look, I don't believe in food intolerances because your stomach is full of hydrochloric acid. And if we were to empty the contents of your stomach out on this tiled floor with concrete underneath, it would eat through it. So I don't believe in intolerances because the hydrochloric acid in the stomach would burn through whatever food you're going to put in there. And I thought, geez, that's a bit funny. Well, tell me what's going on with my stomach then. Like, There's all these people that are saying they've got these intolerances. What's that about? And, you know, like this pressure and pain in my stomach is very real for me. So what is it? Um, Definitely, it was certainly related to stress. But as a result of those comments, I just, I lost faith in that doctor. And I actually never went back to see him ever again. Um, But I was talking to a friend and a friend had said to me, why don't you go and see a naturopath? So I went to see a naturopath. Naturopath said to me, yes, look, I don't necessarily agree with the doctor in that, you know, th- that intolerances don't exist. Uh, but you, what I think you need, but, but what, I, what is correct here is that you are burnt out. Your adrenal glands are fried. That was what the first doctor had said. And you need to take a break. So, you know, do the meditations, do the, just do the long walks on the beach or in a park or whatever. Take some time out. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water and really watch your diet and eat really healthy. And what, then the next thing that he said to me is what really shocked me and or surprised me. And he said, and try giving up gluten. And at that point in time in my journey and my career, I didn't even know what gluten was. I was in the health and fitness industry. I wasn't a dietitian or a nutritionist or a doctor or a naturopath. I was just a fitness guy. And I knew a little bit about food, about nutrition. And so I went home and I Googled gluten and discovered it was in everything that I was eating. My typical day of eating consisted of breakfast, which was toast, usually with um, margarine and Vegemite and with either Vegemite or peanut butter. Morning tea might be some fruit. 
Lunchtime was usually a salad roll with some form of meat, whether it was chicken or fish um, or maybe ham. And then afternoon tea might be a yogurt or some nuts, um, some biscuits maybe, possibly even some chips. And then dinner was usually spaghetti bolognese, um, some, some type of pasta, lasagna was a big one, um, or maybe some, like, some rice and meat. And so I set about on this journey of trying to at least reduce, if not eliminate, gluten. And it got to the point where I was getting so frustrated with not really feeling, there was still this pressure in my gut that I thought, okay, I'm going to give up everything and I'm going to go vegetarian. I'm only going to eat veggies. And I remember starting this day where I was at home because at this point in time, this was the second. So I resigned, sorry, in the middle of the year. This was 2014. I resigned in the middle of 2014. So now this was in the second half of 2014, this whole journey. And so I was working from home doing this, you know, this fitness thing that I'd started this uh, business with a colleague called Darwin Academy of Sport and um, I remember starting the day eating vegetarian by two o'clock I think I'd eaten through every bit of vegetarian every bit of vegetable in the house and was completely starving I was so hungry and I thought this is not going to work for me um, I've been vegetarian a few times and I don't know what it was about this time but it was I think the other times because I was still eating breads and pastas and stuff it was all right I was able to fill up but this time it was literally just vegetables and so I was hungry, you know, half an hour to two hours later after eating every single time and I was eating so much to try and fill me up. But by two o'clock, um, I was, I'd eaten through everything that we had. So I decided I was going to incorporate meat. So I did this challenge. Challenges work extremely well, particularly for Australians. Australians, almost more than any other country, love a challenge. And so, but most, most people do of, around the world love a challenge. And so challenges work amazingly well, whether it's, you know, 24 hours or it's seven days, 14 days, 21, 30 days, whatever, 12 weeks. So I did this seven day, this one full week challenge of only eating vegetables and meat. And it was a little bit tough, but it wasn't too bad. But I did eat a lot of meat to, to make sure that I filled up and it made me feel fuller for longer. And so then in, I remember when that challenge had finished and it was the following Monday, I did it from Monday to Sunday. And then when I was able to eat on the, the next Monday, I, for morning tea, I had this apple. And I remember it being the most sweetest tasting apple I have ever tasted because I hadn't had any sugar because I wasn't eating any fruit. All I was eating was vegetables and meat. So I'd had no form of sugar uh, in my diet. I didn't have any fruit. And so this apple was just delicious. And then actually, and I also didn't, the only um, drinks that I had was water. And so I wasn't even drinking any coffee or, um, or tea or any other type of drink. And at that point in time, my coffee was white with two sugars. So there was a little bit in the first three days of coming off coffee. I didn't get too big of an effect, but um, there, there was that definitely as well. But the thing with putting coffee back into my diet, so after I'd had that apple, later that morning I had my first coffee and I was trying to write a blog for my website at jacobandre.com, which I had started and launched. Um, I was about to launch later in 2015, but I was writing some blog articles um, and in preparation for this website to launch and I remember within probably 15 to 20 minutes after having that coffee 
definitely within half an hour. I couldn't think. Like my brain was scrambled. I just could not think. And so it got me realizing that coffee probably wasn't the best thing for having like clarity of mind. However, I absolutely love coffee and I continue to drink coffee to this day. Um, but I understand that that's something that I'm willing to accept. My point is that as I started to slowly introduce foods back in after this next week, I could pay attention to how I was, how I was feeling after I'd eaten something. And I was paying attention to how I was feeling like in as little as minutes in some cases, uh, particularly with burping. Um, but in the following hours to days after eating, I was paying attention to uh, my burping, my um, farting, and my defecating, my pooing, and how I got into the different types of stools and paying attention to how my poo came out and what it looked like um, and getting into the science of that. I paid attention particularly though to burping and farting and what I had eaten before that. And I took it that if I was doing a lot, like if my poos, for example, were at, if you look at that stool chart of, you know, that ones to sevens top thing, the lower numbers and the high numbers are generally meaning that you're not that healthy. So I paid attention to that. But I really paid attention to my burping and farting and took that as though too much of that probably wasn't sitting well with my digestive system. It wasn't processing it well. And so I was able to get rid of things. What I found as I started to put gluten back into my diet through the form of wheat was that I would start to get these heart palpitations. Like my heart would race and it would beat um, sporadically and it would go like really fast and really hard or it would go really slow and really hard but it would change in pace so it would be erratic and it would beat really hard and it would always be some usually um, it was somewhere around the 6 to 24 hours later after eating wheat and so and it was when I would have too much wheat Uh, so it would be like two slices of bread probably be the limit one slice I could probably handle and I could I would probably feel a bit bloated and which by the way bloating is not a normal if you're bloating then it's not a normal response Uh, it probably means that you're intolerant in some way your body's struggling to process it but if you uh, but uh, if you could eat a certain amount you could not feel it as much so with one slice I would feel a little bit bloated and maybe a little bit of pain in the gut but two slices would tip me over and it'd be like you know much more pain but it would create these kind of like palpitations and so from i noticed so what i meant from that was i had to give up beer which i absolutely loved i was brewing my own beer so i had to give up beer and then you know as i said the bread and i was even too scared to try gluten-free and back then in 2014 and 15 ish the the gluten product gluten-free products weren't as common back then and so they were only just starting to come out. So they were either really expensive, and they're still more expensive now usually, um, but they were much more expensive, but they were also just crap. They didn't taste any good. They were really bland, and usually they just fell apart and broke really easily. The product is much better now, but I just didn't want anything to do with any of it. I didn't want any of that stuff because what the way I saw it was that those, in, those foods are just empty calories. So if you look at... Uh, food you've got 
if you look at macronutrients, so we got you got your nutrients which supply your body with the energy that and the nutrients that it needs to function. And so you've got macronutrients and micronutrients. Macronutrients are your three bigger nutrients. They fit in into the categories of carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Your micronutrients are your smaller nutrients which allow your body to function, and they are your things like magnesium, um, iron, folate, and so- sodium, and so on. And so the foods like breads and pasta are high in carbohydrate, and even though they are carbohydrate, even if they are low GI, so you've got low GI, so low glycemic index and high glycemic index. High glycemic index means that that food, that bread, for example, once it goes into the into the digestive system, down into the stomach, and then it's broken down and absorbed into the bloodstream, high GI, high glycemic index, means it's absorbed into the bloodstream quicker. Low GI means it takes longer to absorb, so it doesn't spike your insulin levels and your blood and your blood sugar. So let me say that again just to make sure it's clear. Low GI will absorb into the bloodstream more slowly, which means that there's a lower um, release of blood sugar into the uh, sugar into the bloodstream, which and as a response in um, response to that insulin being released. And high GI means that the carbohydrates are broken down quickly and go into the bloodstream more quickly which gives you a spike in blood sugar and then also a spike in insulin as a result because insulin is like the key that allows it into the system and so either way even if it is low gi it's still breaking down to sugar and so when you've got foods like protein and fat they do take a little bit longer to break down um, but they broke down, like, um, for example, protein breaks down into amino acids, which are the building blocks of our, of our body, of our muscles. And then you've got your fat. And the body actually really likes dietary fat um, for energy. It likes fat for energy, to use fat for energy. It uses glucose, but it also uses fat for energy. And so with, the carbo- with those carbohydrates, for example, in the form of breads and pastas, there's not a lot of micronutrients in them. There is, but in vegetables, for example, which are a form of carbohydrate, they are high in micronutrients. They have all sorts of vitamins and minerals. So vitamins and minerals are make up nutrients. So carrot, for example, high in vitamin A, um, avocados and bananas, high in potassium, um, and so on. All these different you know, micronutrients which give your body information, telling it what to do, and giving it the nutrients that it needs to function and so what i what i didn't want to do was to start eating these foods just to fill me up i wanted foods that were actually going to give my body what it needed and so what i found was that by not eating breads and passes i was eating much more vegetables which was giving me more micronutrients as well as more meat which was giving me the protein and protein helps to keep you feeling fuller for longer along with fat. So there's three food, three things which help you to feel fuller for longer. They are protein, fat, and fiber. And so having a diet consisting of meat and vegetables was helping me to feel fuller for longer. That then led to me getting into fasting and then getting very much more nuanced with what I was doing, which as a result meant that I then eliminated the sugar first of all and then the milk out of my coffee because I wanted to fast for the morning and go from dinner time until lunchtime the next day I still wanted to enjoy my cup of coffee 
but the milk was going to break the fast so then I went moved on to black it took me a little while to get used to it probably took me a week or two to get used to it but once I did I started to really enjoy it and now I absolutely love black coffee now people argue a little bit about whether black coffee does break a fast um, in while the liver is required to function to process the coffee it's there's no calories in it so technically you're not breaking your fast because you're not breaking anything you're not um, processing any calories so coming back around to the whole purpose of this episode and it is the one ingredient that I eliminated and it made all the difference in my life that was gluten so I can have a little bit of gluten some people can't if you're celiac you can't have any you'll get certain effects I can have a little bit and not really and not have any effects if I have a little bit more I get some effects and I have more again then I get even more and this can have an accumulative effect so it's not just in one sitting it's not a matter of oh I'm just gonna have a little bit of I can have a little bit of gluten at lunchtime and then I can have a little bit more at dinner time and then I can have a little bit more at lunch the next day and a little bit more at dinner the next day that is going to accumulate in my system and in anyone's system and you can still get effects so even though you are not having too much in one sitting that accumulative effect can build up and then you can get effects so people go oh I used to be able to have a little bit, but now for some reason I can't. And maybe it's because you were having a little bit, but then not having it again for a week. And then having a little bit and not having it. But if you start to get comfortable and you go, oh yeah, I can have this. Then you might have a little bit and then have a little bit more than next meal and next meal. next, And you get this accumulative effect. So you do need to be careful of the accumulation of foods which you are intolerant to. So... I'm not a dietitian, as I stated earlier, and I'm not a nutritionist, and so it's not um, my place to say what you should and shouldn't eat, but what I can talk about is my experiences and the experiences of people that I've worked with or who I know. And when I have trained people, worked with people in the fitness industry, and they've said to me something about some um, physical ailment which has occurred in their body, I've spoken to and worked with enough people now that I see themes and trends and I can say, look, I'm not a dietitian and I highly recommend you go to see a dietitian. However, why don't you try eliminating gluten from your diet and seeing what happens? Just like the, what the naturopath said to me. And typically it works. Now it's got to the point where I can look at someone who has gone off gluten, see a physical change in their body usually what happens is one their skin looks clearer it's crazy how clear their skin looks they look like they are glowing there's something about them they're emitting something else from their skin like they're they're just they're shining like they've got a different look and glow about them they also usually become much more um sort of skinnier particularly around the jawline so their jaw becomes more defined and so do their cheekbones. So they're in the, where their cheeks are usually becomes a bit more sunken. And it's, I don't know what's going on, but it's whenever I see someone with this look on their face, I'm not looking like they're, I'm not saying they're looking gaunt and unhealthy and sick. They actually look healthy. They look like they're more defined in their, their facial bones and they've got this glow about their skin. And I can say, what have you been doing? And in the back of my head, I'm saying to myself, I bet you they've given up gluten. And sure enough, 
when I say, what have you been doing? They go, oh, I just gave up bread and pasta and, you know, these sorts of foods. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. And how's that going for you? Oh, I've got so much energy. Oh, the aches and pains in my joints have gone away. This um, skin condition has gone away. It's crazy how much it the, the skin conditions improve from changing your diet and particularly giving up gluten. Now, the other, other one that's probably the second most common uh, one that people are intolerant to is dairy. So if gluten doesn't usually work, then usually dairy does. Um, and sometimes if people are up for it, it's a great idea to try eliminating both. Um, but it's be- because this is what I heard when I, when I first gave up gluten. So in late 2014 and through 2015, I was still working with football groups. And I remember being at the football one day and someone saying to me, what have you done? You look like you've lost weight. And I said, oh, man, all I've done is just given up like bread and pasta. And they're like, oh, man, you look like you've lost so much weight. You look so much skinnier. You look so much healthier. I don't know what it is. And this is what I now see in other people. And I guarantee you, people will see it in you if you give up gluten. Um, So from there, what then ultimately then happened was because what because I used to sit, I'm 175 centimeters tall and I am, I was weighing about 72 to 73 kilos. And when I I stopped training, I would very easily jump up to 75. And I was like, why? I'm eating healthy. I was doing everything that the, like the recommended dietary guidelines suggested. And why was I putting on so much weight? In addition, just to the processed sugar that I was eating too, which wasn't a hell of a lot. And I, uh, I was like, why do I keep going from 72 to 73, 72, 73 up to 75 just from like stopping training? Like what's going on? And I'd usually sit at 75, maybe 76 at the highest. And then I'd have to train super hard and I'd get back down to 72, but I'd rarely get under 72. When I gave up gluten, I went down to 69, 70 when I was training. But I would very easily sit at 70, 71 without doing any training so not only did I lose a couple of kilos and this was the weight that these people were talking about when they were saying you've lost so much weight I hadn't lost so much weight I'd only lost about two kilos but I looked different and I was much healthier and so I'd gone from the 72 down to about 70 71 and then when I was then training in addition to that I was getting down to 69 I was at my fittest when I was at that point in time I was training a lot and I was lifting weights, I was doing running, I was doing everything, and I was feeling super fit and healthy. And the only other time that I'd been at 69 was back when I did athletics as a teenager, and I was training my butt off. I was tra- typically doing two sessions a day, eating the same way that I'd been eating, you know, while well, I was eating all the breads and pastas, eating a ton of that stuff. And I was able to stay at 69, but as soon as I stopped training, boom, I was back up to 73, and and then pretend, and then even at like 75 when I really stopped training. So not only did I lose those couple of kilos from giving up the gluten, uh, the, the wheat especially, I was able to maintain it even when I didn't train. I didn't need to train to make to keep the weight off. And what I learned even in recent times, in the last, in probably the last year or two, was that. Even having, because I started doing some work with a different football club and I was only there on game day and at the, I was the runner for them and after the game they would put this esky in the middle of the change room with soft drink in it. It was usually Coke. 
And because it was so hot and humid and I would be so buggered um, from being the runner and doing, you know, five to seven Ks of running, but it was just so hot that this can of Coke, you know, icy cold Coke in this esky just looked so appealing. And I thought, yeah, I've just done, you know, five or seven Ks, I'll have a Coke. And I started to put on weight just from that one can of Coke, Coke each week. So not only was I, you know, eating pretty healthy with no gluten and my dairy had even reduced dramatically i don't have milk anymore i do every now and then uh but and i was eating eating cheese but the only real processed sugar that i was having was this one can of coke each week after this football game game and i was putting on one to two kilos and then i was finding it hard i was just feeling again bloated and i was feeling just feeling fat and i was a couple of kilos heavier so it's crazy just how much how you can put on weight or just how little sugar you need, processed sugar you need to put on weight, put on a couple of kilos because that one can of Coke was the only processed sugar I was having and I was putting weight on from that. So if you can combine reducing and eliminating the processed sugar as well as reducing or eliminating gluten from your diet, particularly the breads and pastas and replacing it with meat and vegetables, then you will most likely, I would love to say guarantee, but I'm never going to say guarantee, I would be shocked if you didn't lose a couple of kilos and be able to maintain that weight so much easier. If you have tried this, please respond, let me know, reply to me, send me an email at info at jacobandre.com or look me up on Instagram, jacob underscore andre and send me a message and let me know your experience with giving up any food, particularly if it's gluten or dairy or sugar, but your experience with giving up food, and if you haven't, and you're thinking about doing it because you've been, things have been happening in your life and you've been considering it, and now this is just another little message that you're getting through the magic of the airwaves, and you are thinking about trying it, send me a message if you've got any questions and, and ask, and because I would love to have a conversation with you, I'd love to help you on that journey, um, and if you've got any concerns about it, then I'll be here to help you with that journey. And uh, yeah, and let me know in the future how you go with it. So yeah, because it's it, honestly giving up gluten has been one of the best things that I have ever done, and I can only highly recommend it for everyone. Uh, and get those veggies and meats in. So that's it for me from this episode. This is the first solo episode where I've run through it without a real plan just a topic idea I hope you really like it if you do then again send me a message and let me know Instagram Jacob underscore Andre and uh, let me know and I'll be back next week with another topic you have a amazing week get out there get moving be healthy and have a great week I'll see you soon Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. For more information, including all show notes, as well as all of our other episodes, head on over to our website at jacobandre.com.